Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the FACT Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am FACT's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I just want to say thank you to Novartis for being a sponsor of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Today's guests were not sponsored by Novartis or compensated in any way to participate in this specific podcast. What happens when you combine global parenting expert and family advocate, best-selling author, and television personality Joe Frost with two bright kids who have thought-provoking questions about food allergy life? Empowerment! In this exciting episode, Super Nanny Joe Frost sits down with Mateo and Annabelle as they explore food allergy-related topics important to kids and teens everywhere. Welcome, Joe, Mateo, and Annabelle. I am so thrilled you're here with us on Facts Roundtable podcast. This is a very special and very exciting podcast because we have a great topic and we have three fabulous people here. So thank you so much and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Are you there, Annabelle? Can we hear you? Give us a yes. Give us a yes. Yes. Ah, Great. So we're going to answer some questions, right? Yes. And Mateo, I'm going to invite you to kick us off with one of the questions. So I was wondering, were you ever treated poorly or bullied because of your allergies? And if so, what lessons did you take away from it? I wasn't. I wasn't bullied as a young child with having allergies or anaphylaxis to certain food groups. Back in the 70s, (laughs) I'm giving away my age now, but back in the 70s, late 70s and and 80s, really in the UK, they were establishing the importance of us learning more and more about education. And so there wasn't the type of information or resources that we have now. So much has happened over the years with respect to scientists and allergists and and others becoming more aware of how we support our community of us who have allergies and anaphylaxis and asthma. Really, I don't think there was a lot of information out there. I believe, as the grown adult I am now, I believe that there wasn't a lot of this information for children to actually know about and to, should I say, create a wedge to make us feel that we were any different because of our medical conditions. And so as a child, no. However, teachers were aware of it. I was taught how to use an EpiPen at a young age. I was in an environment that was safe for me to have fun, to play, to be educated, to enjoy. So I was never made to feel that my medical condition defined who I was as a person. However, Matteo, as an adult, I have come across other adults who have been uncompassionate, ignorant of understanding. They have lacked education. What they haven't understood, they have been unempathetic to. And the biggest thing that I've learned in this lifetime of mine so far is to continue to make sure that wherever I get an opportunity to teach those exactly what it means to be anaphylaxis or to have allergies, that education brings people to an understanding. And what I hope with more understanding and education and awareness can equal empathy, because with empathy, we have 
those that are in positions of power to change policy and to change laws and to create an inclusive world that's safer for us all. So for me, that's really important. And the lessons I've learned is who and what company I keep. Company I keep has to be supportive of understanding my medical conditions. Um, I've understood that their attitude is a reflection, really, of their lack of empathy and education. So what can I do to really help them? And to really, more than anything, know that my medical conditions... The ailments that I have, they don't define who I am. Who I am is not, I am not anaphylaxis. I am not a piece of cheese that one may be allergic to. I I am Joe and I am a wife to my husband and a loving daughter and a great friend and a teacher, an educator, someone who is empathetic and kind and funny. I'm not defined by the conditions that I have, the ailments that I have. But there are valuable lessons in learning the importance of inclusion to recognise with resilience that we will take onus in educating ourselves. And I think that's important. You're a teenager, right? Yes, I'm 17. You're 17. And do you receive a lot of harassment and bullying from other peers at school? Not as of late, but definitely a lot through middle school and early high school, I had to gain resilience to some mistreatment because of my allergy. But it taught me a lot of resilience and I got a lot of strength from it. And it caused me to have a lot of passion to try to reach out to others and help others dealing with the same thing. It's a very mature approach to have because somebody, Annabelle's age, uh, we had the opportunity to say hello before we came on here. Annabelle is younger and eight years old. So Annabelle, do you have friends who understand the allergies that you have? Do they understand? I have some really good friends and they don't treat me any different with or without allergies. Right. So they're kind and they're funny and you hang out and you have fun, right? Yeah. And, And so you enjoy their company and Mateo... As you're a little bit older, you understand that you come out of a space where you're making your own friends and your own group and parents, you know, they have a say in the company you keep, but you're bridging and making those friendships yourself. And so I think it's important, like you say, that the resilience that you have is recognizing how do I turn this into a positive? That's what I hear that you're turning somebody else's behavior that lack the understanding or the compassion into a positive and not taking it personal. I think that's a lesson that has to be learned in the journey, to be honest. It's easy to take it personal for you to think it's about you. And actually, it's not about you per se. It's about their reaction to their lack of education or understanding. So kudos to yourself, Mateo for having that strong, resilient, positive attitude, because it's certainly one that I'm proud of you for having. It certainly shows that you've had good leadership skills with your parents in supporting you in the way that you needed. And now you're able to give that strength to others, which that's the beauty of being in this position, to be able to help others who are perhaps not as vocal or they may be more reserved or shy in their temperament you can give others a lot of strength in having the strength yourself they can really feel supported by that so yeah much to learn thank you very much did that answer your question yes it did thank you well let's turn over to annabelle i know she has a question ready for you joe did you feel safe and supported by your friends when you were in school I did, Annabelle. I did feel safe and I did feel supported. I think that there's two interesting words there, safe and supported. And I think for anyone listening, like it's no coincidence today that I wanted to speak to you today because even though this podcast will be heard by thousands beyond today, 
This is the weekend of International Children's Day. So it was important for us to speak this weekend because it is about giving children a voice. It is about empowering children for those that have allergies and anaphylaxis. And for us that do have these allergies, Annabelle, it's really important that those that are listening today understand that if those that are taking care of us, whether it's teachers, those in the communities or school camp or teachers or parents, if we're going to somebody else's house, they keep us safe by making sure our environment is safe, by making sure that they're aware and that they're educated about our allergies and that there are rules and boundaries that protect us and keep us safe and that we have inclusion, that we are included. There is inclusion. And when it comes to being supported, it's the emotional conversations that we want to have. We want people to listen to us, make us feel heard, to make us feel seen, for us to be able to trust adults to help us so that children like yourself, Annabelle, can go to an adult and say, I don't feel safe or I'm worried about this. Can you help me? And that they can reassure us by telling us what they're doing to help us to feel safe. And that makes us feel supported because they've listened to us. We need champions. And those champions look like our mum and dad, our aunties, our uncles, our best friends, other friends at school, our cousins, teachers, and maybe our community leaders. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Babysitters, those that are caring for us, everybody that we come in contact with, that we might have daily or weekly interactions with, because it's about us feeling included. So safe and supported. Did I feel safe and supported? Very much so, because I had a mum and dad that listened to me that supported how I was feeling emotionally if I was worried about something. I was safe in my environment, whether I was at school or a friend's house. They were informed about my allergies. Teachers knew. So again, when we feel safe and supported, it's safe so that we can do what other kids are doing and we can enjoy ourselves, whether at a birthday party or whether we're at school or supported making us feel heard, making us feel seen. So my friends were very much like that. My very close friends, they were true champions. They would ask questions as well. If we were somewhere and we were out, if we were out somewhere, they may ask a question before I even asked a question. I, I may be at a restaurant and my friends would say, can I just check that there's no nuts in that sandwich? I just want to make sure that that salad doesn't have any shrimp in it along with the other things so they would ask questions that would pertain to myself things like are you sure that's whatever is safe for you and stuff like that yeah exactly like they would ask me questions like that so if I was going to a birthday party for one of my friends their parent would say to me and to their parents we want to make sure that you have something to eat we want to make sure what are your allergies so that we make sure that they're not at the party. So that made me feel heard, but it also made me feel safe because I could go to the party and know that I was heard, that that family knew that they couldn't have certain foods at the party. And so I felt safe to play and to eat. I would still make sure I could look at everything at the table, but I trusted the adults to make sure that I was safe and that I was supported in that way. Does that answer your question, Annabelle? Yes, it does. Thank you. May I ask you a question? Are you supported by your friends? Yes. How do they show you that they support you? Same as you. They're always making sure there's nothing in my food that I might be allergic to. There's one of my friends at lunch. Like She always makes sure she doesn't touch me when her hands have food on them. Yeah, so she makes sure that her hands are washed and... Sometimes, do any of you have any siblings as well? 
Because yes, I have a little sister. She's four. She's four. So she's going to grow up, right? She's going to grow up understanding what your allergies are as well. Mateo, do you have any siblings at all? Uh, yes, I have two older brothers. Two older? Mm-hmm. So do you find that they were protective? Did they understand? Yes, they did. So again, you know, when the whole family know and friends can just carry on with our everyday lives, we still have to be aware ourselves, but we know that we have adults and older siblings looking out for us too. That makes us feel not alone. It makes us feel that we have people that understand. And that's what we want. We want more people to understand so that we don't ever feel that we're just alone on this journey because we're not. There's millions of us, millions of us in this wonderful community. And many of us aspire to do lots of different things in our world. And and our allergies should never feel that they stop us from being able to do that. What are your desires, Mateo? Do you have any idea what you'd like to do for work or where's your passion? What do you love doing? I think I want to go the business route in the future. So the business route. So you're going to be busy doing that. So again, you'll be in a field of lots of different people. Some will know, some will not. And again, you'll be able to educate to provide an environment that will be safe and understanding with those that know more about it. What about yourself, Annabelle? What do you see yourself as? What do you see yourself doing? When I grow up, I want to be be a marine biologist. A marine biologist. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got interested in marine biology when me and my mom rescued a horseshoe crab together. And that sparked a little something in you there. So again, you know, whatever you decide you're going to do may require the academics to do so and certainly the education. But the reality is, is the world is your oyster. It's there for you to grab, to take, to do, to enjoy. And our medical conditions are not a restriction in being able to do that. So even though you live alongside having medical conditions, I don't want you to ever feel that they will restrict you in being able to accomplish and achieve whatever you want to be able to do in life. That may be something you've heard, and that really isn't true. And I'm living proof of that. So when I was five years old, I had anaphylaxis to shellfish, all nuts and horses. And I've traveled the world and I've been to 48 states of America and I've gone around the world having different conversations with different families and children that have anaphylaxis and allergies. It never stopped me. It was never going to be a hindrance. It was a medical condition that I knew that I had to manage and learn a lot about so that I also could feel safe and supported in what I wanted to do for my work, for my career. So always remember that. It's never a door that's closed. We just have little bridges that we cross over and we look at solutions, right? At how we can get around things to help us. There's always a solution of how we can work around things to make it happen for ourselves, always. Thank you, Joe. Those are beautiful words of wisdom. So, Mateo, why don't you bring us to the next question now? So, yes, this kind of ties back into everything you were saying. You seem to have a very mature view on all of this, and I think that comes with time and, and growing older and wisdom. But did you ever have a point in your life where you had a lot of anxiety invoked because of uh, allergies or asthma? Absolutely. And I still have them now. You're very correct in the reality that over time and living many years with my allergies, I've learned more and more about myself and about allergies as a whole. You know, the information that's coming out monthly, yearly, the new breakthroughs, flying regulations, food laws. However, I don't think we should avoid the conversations of the reality of living with allergies and anaphylaxis and how that can be very stressful and how that can heighten our anxiety. And really, I still have moments where I can feel anxious 
because I go to the space of what can I do to control a situation to make it safe and for me to feel supported in the environment that I'm in. The first thing I needed to do when I started to recognize I was getting anxious was to become aware of what that anxiousness is. So your mind starts to ruminate. You go over and over the same thoughts over and over again. You feel fidgety and panicky about things. You may repeat yourself and ask the same questions. For younger children, for parents who are listening, that could turn into agitated and irritable behavior. It could cause a lack of sleep. And so there certainly were times where I would be anxious and it was about wanting to control my environment and to make sure that I was supported, which was making sure I was listened to, that I was heard, that there was going to be a call of action in making sure that that provided safety and support and security for me. And so at the moments when I had anxiety, I certainly would manage and learn good tools for anxiety. So when I felt anxious, I would look at the picture, the bigger picture. Where am I going? What is going to keep me safe to get there? So flying was a big one for me. I've spent over 25 years flying and I spent 10 years flying every 10 days. So for me, it was a really big one in making sure that staff and crew knew that I was anaphylaxis, making sure that there were conversations that weren't just once, but were twice, making sure I was prepared and organized, taking my own food. So again, lots of measurements, lots of measures in making sure I could eliminate that anxiety. And then the tools of being able to breathe, right? Breathing techniques. I love the box breathing technique, just inhaling for four holding for four seconds and exhaling out, inhale, exhale, to maintain a space of more regulation emotionally. Because emotionally, I would go to the place of feeling out of control, going to like restaurants, for example, with parents. My parents taught me how to use my own voice and to voice my own allergies. So You may already do that, Matteo, obviously being 17. And Annabelle, you may have started doing this or you may be doing it. And if you're not doing it, are you doing it? I'm a bit shy. I'm not the best at standing up for myself. You're not the best right now. Not now. But tomorrow you can get better and the next day and the next day. And you can just build on it just daily. Sometimes the best thing to do is to practice with mum and dad at home. You can make out that you're in a restaurant and you can just learn to pretend reading from the menu and reading out what you may like and having questions. So Annabelle, a little story. Over a year ago, a young girl by the name of Ava, who was your age, she was a little bit shy as well in talking to the servers in a restaurant. And I took her to a restaurant with me and we were pretending that we were in the restaurant and then we went to the restaurant for real and then she asked questions and they answered back. So each day we can get better at having more confidence and not feeling so shy if we practice doing the one thing that we feel shy about. And as we do it more and more, we get less shy about doing it. Okay, so sometimes, Annabelle, you'll have to say to mummy, no, I've got it, mum. Let me do it. I'll order my menu. I'll order what food I want. And then to practice asking some safe questions, to ask about safety in the kitchen, to ask about what food has your allergens in them, especially if the menu doesn't have that. But learning to read a menu will be a confident move for you as well. Matteo, to finalise, to finish off your question, certainly becoming aware of signs and symptoms of anxiety is really key. So what are some of the signs you see with yourself? I see that my mind starts racing, harder to breathe. So I feel like those are the two main signs that I've had. 
our mind run away with us and we go straight to worst case scenario and we fear the worst. And it's about needing more control in our environment to create what in Annabelle spoke about, safety and supported. And so if we take that bigger picture and then we get constructive with it and we think to ourselves, right, I've gone to worst case scenario, but here's where I'm going. What preparation and organization can I actually do with my family and those that are supporting me to minimize any form of cross-contamination, impact, or miscommunication, and then to actually handle the anxiety like anybody else would if they had anxiety for anything else, so that we don't shrink the importance of the matter, but that we learn to control our anxiety better. So we remain vigilant and persistent and vocal, but that we can manage the signs and symptoms of stress or anxiety when we're more prepared and organized and we're able to really be constructive with the steps that were put in place. And the more you do that, the better you get at it and the more confidence you feel because you feel more in control. And so it's quite hard for you both because sometimes you can be living with parents who can be really anxious and living with parents who can be pretty scared at times. And sometimes parents can be over worried. And so that can make us feel worried. So the more that we can understand, the more we can learn about it, the better it helps us and it helps them because they need to learn how to manage their anxiety better too as parents. So that's some of the work that I do when I work with families and help them. I help families how to be more prepared and organized for them to come to resources like FACTS and to get more information so they understand more. Because the more we understand, the more we feel in control of being able to know, right, and what we can do to put in place. So when I felt like that, my parents made sure that one of the biggest tasks that they gave me was to make sure that I started to learn for myself, so that I started to know more and more information myself, so that I would know that I wouldn't always just have to keep looking at them for the answers, that they would teach me more. And the things I didn't know, I could ask. And they were always watching to make sure that I was growing and learning more information. And then I became aware of what those feelings were because they were identified as anxiety. So I became aware of my own body, like you are, Mateo. You're aware of when your mind races, when you start to hyperventilate or get short in your breath. You're like, oh, here we are again. So again, once you identify it, then you can learn the tools to manage it better, to get yourself through that so that it doesn't succumb and over paralyze you to a place of stillness, but that you can use that energy in being constructive and say, right, what can I do to help myself? What can I do to make myself feel more safe and better in this position? And that helps us feel better. And then it starts to lessen that anxiety and helps us. So that's what I've learned on my journey of having my allergies now for 45 years. So a long time in different spaces. That sometimes mean that we have to educate those around us. So when I travel all over again, I have to let people know. So it's like a broken record. I have to say the same thing all over again. And sometimes when you're younger, you're like, oh, God, not again. Like, how oh, I've got to explain it again. Oh, another person that doesn't understand. But now, instead of getting annoyed at that, because sometimes I would get annoyed, like, oh, God, now I've got to repeat myself again and again and again. And sometimes you can get frustrated with that. Do you ever get frustrated mm-hmm. with that, Mateo? Mm-hmm. Right? We can get frustrated. But that's part and parcel. But now I look at it, I reframe it. I think to myself, no, don't get angry. They don't know. And now you get a chance to teach them. And now when they know, you never know when they may come in contact with somebody and they'll be able to help that person. 
So I just had to rethink the way I saw things and understand that this is an opportunity with what I live with to help others. And then we all get to help each other. So that's how I overcome anxiety, asthma and allergies. It's important for us all to have dialogue with our doctors, with our allergists. We can't just go once. We have to make sure that the management, the control of that, carrying two EpiPens, making sure that we're having dialogue with our doctors, that we have those sporadic doctor's appointments that we go, you know, every two months, three months, whatever that is. It's just an ongoing dialogue and making sure that we continue to feel safe and supported. And we hope that more people understand about this so that they can start to change laws and policies to protect us in the community and that we as adults can protect children that have allergies and anaphylaxis because it's our job as adults to protect you children to protect every child to be safe. So it's the adult's responsibility to make sure that we are maneuvering in spaces and having meetings and conversations to protect children, period, that have anaphylaxis and allergies. And our job is to make sure that we can have laws change and policies change so that every child feels inclusion. Nobody feels on the outside of the box. Everybody feels on the inside of the box. That's what's really important for us adults. That's our job, to make sure as adults. And so for some of us that have allergies, that live with that, or we have children, we champion for that. We fight for that. And there are many wonderful people in this world that are making law changes in every community, even in the African-American community where equity is not there, where we see systemic racism and a lack of equality and equity in healthcare and education, so that every child who has anaphylaxis and allergy is given the fundamental rights of protection and education so that we change those laws to protect every child. That's important for us as adults to help children. I hope that's made you feel some hope and what we're all trying to do as adults who are in this community champion. And for those that don't have, they're champions. They're those that autumn champion too. These questions have been just amazing. And I know Annabelle has another question for Joe. So Annabelle, would you like to ask your question? How do I support other kids with food allergies and make them feel welcome? I think by what we've been doing here today, Annabelle, I think exactly what we've been doing here by relating, by talking to other children about their experiences, by listening. We support by listening, listening to another child's experience, asking questions to understand them better, having a kind, friendly conversation like we're having, being there when they feel scared or maybe worried being able to put an arm around a friend, being able to let them know that you're there for them and that it's okay that they feel the way that they feel. It's very natural for us all to feel the way that we feel. That's showing empathy and we need more empathy in the world, period. So being able to show them little things like that is kindness and empathy and perhaps they don't know the answer to something they've been wondering and maybe you do. And you could help them feel better by saying, why, oh, my mum and dad have told me this about this situation. And this is what I know about it. It's having what you have on your dress right now. Hearts, big hearts, a big heart, a heart full of empathy, understanding, listening. And sometimes, right, sometimes after we've listened and they have felt supported, we need to be able to sometimes help them to move on into a different space so that they don't stay in that space for like hours and hours and then they make themselves feel worse, right? So sometimes it's about then having the humor and being able to say, come on, let's go and do something fun. Let's go and do something together. So it's being a good friend allows our friends to feel that emotionally 
that we're able to hear them and their feelings. Because after all, they're their feelings. Does that answer your question, Annabelle? Yes, it does. How do your friends make you feel supported? They help me feel supported by always looking out for me. When I feel sad, they help me feel better. Oh, and they mostly, mostly leave me alone when I want to be alone. Mostly. Yeah. So when you need a bit of space, then you need your own time as well. So again, you see, it's a reflection. So you're a good friend and they're a good friend back and they're there for you and they listen. The question you ask me is, Really, you mimic that behavior back because that's the good friendship. How do I support when it looks like you've had some great friends that have given you some wonderful examples of exactly how to be the same back to them? And for Mateo, being nearly an adult yourself, you want to know that your friends have got your back. They're with you. They're like, hey, bro, like we're with you. We got you. We've got your back. If you can't go there, then we ain't going there either. Like, we got you. It's that sense of unity, that sense of all inclusion together. It's something you feel. You know that when your friends are there and they've got you. Through the times when emotionally you do feel a bit down, they're there to pick you up. And sometimes when you're feeling down, they're not there to pick you up. They're there just to be. Sometimes you can sit with your bro and they, you know, they don't want to say nothing. They know that you're not in the mood for talking. They're just there together. Sometimes it's just a matter of that. I got you. I see you. And tomorrow's another day. But take it one step at a time. That's all we can do is just take it one step at a time. None of us are looking to be treated special. We just want to be included. We just want to do the same as other people. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can't do the same because sometimes there are adults out there that haven't been given the information or they've been restricted for some reason or another and we've not been able to and that's life as well sometimes something happens and you're like oh I can't I've got like a grandson that sometimes I want to take him to like a Christmas thing you know and there's a horse there and I can't take him my husband will take him but I can't take him because I would end up in anaphylaxis and I would have anaphylactic shock So my husband takes him and that's just how it is. The park ain't going to remove the horse. They'll go and then they'll come back, change their clothes. They'll go wash so that I'm safe. But hey, sometimes it's like that. That's life. We just learn to recognize that some of those things we can and other things we can't, but we just be fluid. That's the best thing for us to be able to do is to learn how to show up in the best ways that we can when there's adversity. Do any of you play sports? Mateo, you're nodding. You play sports? Yes, I do. So you know the camaraderie of team sport, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of things. And when the tough gets going, you push through at the adverse times. Most definitely. It's, it's the same kind of thing like that. It's how you show up, the character of who you are when you're going through those tough times, the adverse times. That's all a learning curve. Even when we feel, ah, oh, you know what, it'd be fine. Like, I remember once when I was a teenager, I thought I was being cool. So there was birthday cake going around and it looked like chocolate birthday cake. And I thought I was being a smart pants. You know what word I would use otherwise if I weren't in front of an eight-year-old. But I thought I was being a smart pants. And I took a piece of this cake thinking I was being cool. And I took a piece of this cake and I didn't even ask. I was showing off and I took a piece of cake. I thought, she won't see. (laughs) And I put it in my mouth and I ended up in hospital. But it was a lesson and a very steep one because I'm here to tell the tale. But when we're teenagers, we think, oh, it's okay, it's cool, it's be fun. (laughs) Look, they're looking, look. And we can't afford to take those risks. It was a silly decision. One that I did showing off. I paid the price for it. Silly mistake. As teenagers, we've got to have... The smarts to not feel pressure by our peers, but to do the right thing and to be with the crowd of girls and guys that support where we're at and what we need to learn. Not to let it change us who we are. I don't want it to change you being the fun character person you are. Do you ever feel that sometimes it makes you more serious or not as funny? Or do you feel that it does that? It's definitely made 
be more serious in certain situations, but I've grown to worry about what I have got going on. It's definitely easy to fall into a trap of wondering what others around you feel or think about it, but sometimes you have to look out for yourself. It's true. It's very, very true. And I think they're wise words for you to share with a lot of other teenagers because teenagers can feel very worried about what other teenagers are thinking, what their friends, what their peers are thinking, especially in the world of social media, because everything that we see is shut window. We know it's not the reality of kids out there today. It's shut window pictures. This is what I want you to see. But the reality of what it is can be sometimes different. And that's the honest conversations that we want to have around allergies and anaphylaxis. They're the honest conversations. That's why I'm sharing the story with you about the piece of cake. The cake had nuts in it, but it was brown and it looked like chocolate to me. And I took it showing off, but it was a tough lesson. Again, the lesson is we have to recognize when we can be fun, but always make sure we're keeping ourselves safe. Yeah, it's good that you've been able to navigate that at such a young age, like kudos to yourself. You've got to find the humor in being able to laugh and have fun whilst you're living alongside your medical condition, like anybody else. Young kids were living with any form of disabilities or chronic asthma, things like that. Who's up for the next question? It's Mateo. So I feel like this is very specific to teenagers, but how is your allergies affected dating? And what advice do you have for teenagers on that? I would say be upfront, period, about getting to know someone, letting them know about your allergies, the severity of your anaphylaxis, so that the person that you're dating is a person who's understanding of the medical conditions that you have and show the aware, all the understanding and the compassion. Never feel like you never have a right to ask your partner any question that you feel will make you feel more comfortable or reassured. Like, hey, I just want to check, been eating nuts before you met me or where are we going? Can I just double check, being prepared? That's a serious question because we can go into anaphylaxis from kissing. You have to be very cautious of that. You have to be very understanding as well of your partner. And I think that says a lot of who you choose to date, right, based on their empathy. I'd like to say that we're seeing a lot of openness around that conversation, dating and allergies. And it's not a stigma anymore that it used to be to be talking about this. I carry my two EpiPens everywhere I go. And when I was dating, it was important for me to just ask the guys, make it really clear where we could eat, where we couldn't eat, and just being cautious. And again, you know, with them wanting to be in a relationship with me, they took on board understanding more and they became the champion. They became the supporter. It didn't stop me asking questions. Even now with my husband, he knows that he can only eat nuts if I'm away or he can go for a Thai meal, maybe with one of his friends when I'm not in town. But everybody's aware of it. But it's important to ask. It takes the spontaneity away a bit, to be honest, especially when you're a teenager and you're going in for that first kiss. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can see your face like, oh, God, you know, but it does take the spontaneity away. But at the same time, you want it to be a safe one, right? Get to know your partner. Get to know the person you're going to be dating first. Strike up a friendship first. Get to know them. Give them a chance to get to know you. And never feel like you can't ask questions. If they're defensive about that, no, it's about them and not you. Have the patience to explain. And the compassion of that is to make you feel safe along the way. I think that's important. That's how it was for me. That's for sure. So it was very safe, very predictable. But I'm here to tell the tale. <laughs> Annabelle, don't be telling me that you're kissing already. I hope not. Not at the age of eight. You know, I'm joking with you because I can see all the listeners that are here today. If you could see little Annabelle's face, she's like, oh, no way. No way. You know, I'm playing with you. She's like nodding her head like, oh, my God, no, no, no. Well, I appreciate all these wonderful, honest questions and honest answers coming up on our time together today. So, Joe, before we end, do you have any words of wisdoms you want to share with our listeners? 
Well, I just hope more than anything, because I'm learning from families as well. Like every day when I'm helping families, I'm learning from them as well. Things that concern them, the challenges that they have, some of the ideas that they've come up with to help their individual particular family or perhaps maybe to help their community. I think that the most important wisdom I'd like to give is just to keep open dialogue and very honest and direct dialogue. Because I feel that the more we can just be honest about how we feel and how we address these issues, I think that we can bring ourselves to a place of not sugarcoating the reality of what it's like to live alongside our medical condition. For us, something that we all continue to navigate every day. So I'm hoping that the podcast has brought an opportunity for many who will listen in the different specific positions they're in in society um, to really just give them a lot of hope in manoeuvring forward in making sure that we can give children a voice. It was really important for me today, Matteo and Annabelle, for us to have a conversation. And I said to Caroline, I really would like to talk to children today because I'd really like to have the opportunity to hear from you guys and to hear what you think and what you feel, because I never want you guys to feel that you're on your own. I never want you to feel like you're trying to do this on your own, that as adults in this world, we are doing our job to make sure that you can trust us and that we can keep the world a very protective, safe one for you as much as we possibly can. So that was really important. So I hope that the podcast has brought us to a place in being able to learn something from this experience of talking today and to just be really honest in your responses. You know, sometimes you don't know the answers and you, and that's okay for parents and, and for children, you know, who are listening to continue asking those questions. Like, I thank you today, the pair of you, for asking the questions that you did. Did I manage to answer some of them? Did I leave you feeling a little bit better today? It's okay if I didn't. I just want to just kind of ask you, how do you feel today? You definitely did uh, answer the question. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's my hope, at least, right, is that I continue to get better every day along with everybody else so that we can continue to hear you and make you feel safe doing that. So that's all I would encourage families to do, to continue to protect our children, make them feel safe. And I would say that we've lived in a pandemic that's been incredibly stressful for all of us. And none of us have been exempt from the impact of this global pandemic, which certainly made many of us feel a piece of how we feel every day in wanting to be protected and kept safe. And I think it's important for parents, especially, maybe this is something that I hope that they will listen and parents will listen as they stand beside you, Annabelle, that they will take a moment to use the tools that we shared today in identifying their own anxiety and recognizing how they can manage that better so that it doesn't rub off on their children and make us feel anxious as well. Because we look up to our parents, right? If our parents feel safe and confident and we feel like, yeah, we're under their wing, like they got us, you know, they're keeping us safe. So it's important for us as parents to manage that as well. They make us feel good as kids, right? How do you think your parents do? Annabelle, on a scale of one to 10, how well do you think that your parents manage their worries about your allergies? From one to 10, what do you think? Nine. That's good. That's very confident. Might not be how they feel, but if that's how it makes you feel, then they're doing a good job, right? I really have no no idea what they think. I'm, I'm just putting in a random number. <laughs> that random number showed me that that's how you felt. So that showed me that they're doing a good job. What about yourself, Mateo? Because you're older and they can have a different conversation with you, so as nearing on the young man you are, how do you think they manage it? 
I'd give it a nine also. We've definitely grown together. You know, as a teenager, like I've been in a different place sometimes and they didn't notice that at first, but I give them a lot of credit for how we've communicated with each other. So a nine, they've done a great job. It's, it's tough. And to give them a nine again, I salute your parents, the pair of you. I mean, having the ability to be able to push through and, and to communicate and to learn because they're learning too, as much as you are. They're learning every day too. What a wonderful conversation with you both. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time for us all to have this conversation today. It's been an absolute delight. And Joe, thank you for creating such a special, safe place for these children and for our listeners. And Mateo, I think you were going to say something and I cut you off. Oh, I was going to say thank you. Oh, this thank you. I appreciate it. I haven't had a chat like this in a while and it helped me learn some things that I didn't even know I could learn. So thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Mateo. I love the love fest. And Mateo, since we have you talking right now, do you have any parting words of wisdom? It would just be to look out for each other. There's strength in numbers with this. And I feel like getting to the place I'm at as a teenager, it's important to mentor the youth, the kids who are younger than you, and give them a sense of confidence in not only the people around them, but themselves. And that's very important to learn. So that would be the one uh, wisdom that I would have. That's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Now, Annabelle, how about you? Do you have any words of wisdom you would like to share with listeners today? I just want to share that. Don't be afraid to share your voice. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh, you kids, you kids, you just touched me. <laughs> Thank you, Joe and Mateo and Annabelle for all of your time, for meeting with us on a weekend. I know this is like a great time to get out there and play and get ready for the holidays. So fact really appreciates all of you being here. I mean, just big passion and love from me and from fact to all of you, you are all change makers. You make our world better. And I am so grateful. And I can guarantee you that the listeners have the sentiment with me too. We thank you all for all that you do for us. So have a lovely day. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to take a moment to say thank you one last time to Novartis for being a kind sponsor of FACTS Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to FACTS Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.